Jen Couch, founder of Sober Sis, is passionate about making it safe for women to have a conversation about alcohol without judgment, labels, or rules. She's a retired gray area drinker who realized in her 40s that her wine o'clock habit wasn't doing her any favors. She started Sober Sis to share her knowledge and experience with other women who wanted to overcome drinking as a habit and lifestyle and enjoy an alcohol-free lifestyle instead. If you've been contemplating giving up drinking for the new year, or as Jen says, are sober curious, or even if you just want to know how to support others going through this journey, then today's episode is for you. Jen, I'm so excited to have you here today. Um, I just would love for you to introduce yourself to my audience or anyone who might not be familiar with you yet. Yeah, my name is Jen Couch. Um, AKA Sober Sis, which really stands for your sober-minded sister. And um, I am married. I'm a mom. I live in Fort Worth, Texas. And I am a mom, but I'm a mom of adult children. So I made it through uh, raising teenagers, and I'm here still standing. <laughs> well, I need to learn all those all those tips from you, too, as, as I embark on that journey soon. But we're actually here to talk about what you just said. Sober sis is like your passion in life. So I'd love to kind of start there. And and I'm actually really curious. You've talked sometimes on your Instagram about like the detox to retox loop. And I have to make a confession at the very beginning of this episode that I've actually never had a drink in my life. So I'm this is going to be maybe like very educational for me because I just, um, this isn't like my struggle, but I very much know and love and appreciate that so many people who this is their struggle. So I'm excited to have this conversation today, but educate me on what does that mean? Detox to retox loop. Okay. Well, first off, I, I love, I love your story because this is your story with alcohol and just not even really having a relationship with alcohol. But um, for me, I was a little bit later in life drinker. I really didn't start mm. drinking until my young 30s. So that's kind of a unique part of my story as well. But really just this whole detox to retox loop um, started for me just as a as a young mom, social drinker, just kind of getting into the mommy wine juice culture. Which, mm -hmm. you know, I'm kind of dating myself about 20 years ago was really starting to get uh, more popular, I think, where it was just like, yeah, take a, take a take a load off. You deserve it. It's your reward. It's kind yeah. of like me time move. Totally. Yeah. yeah. I have that with with ice cream, with Netflix shows. And like, I mean, it's all, you know. Yeah. So in my 30s, uh, for me, just being a Christian mom. I was just really mindful. I was really living a very sober-minded life. And, and I like to say sober-minded because to me, it's just about being awake, alert, aware, and present in your own life. So I was living sober-minded. And then this drinking culture I became a part of. And again, I'm not here as like the alcohol police either. I'm like, if that's something that, you know, you can enjoy here or there, more power to you. I think it's such an individual choice and decision. Uh, but what I discovered is I would do this healthy by day routine, mm -hmm. which was wake up, have my quiet time, my prayer time, you know, have good intentions, get to the gym, 
have my green juice or my kale, my smoothie bowl at lunch. I'm doing good and and really present. But I'm also at that point starting to um, feel a little bit weary because I'm also giving, giving, giving mm-hmm. to others. Yes. I know is your specialty to talk about, but that was exactly me. I mean, I was like super mom, super wife, wanted to be a super person and yeah. be super all the time takes a lot of work. And, yes. Um, but I was in that detox by day, do all the right things, be healthy, be mindful. And then what I discovered is I was kind of counting down to this five o'clock hour. It seemed like five o'clock, wine o'clock was a socially acceptable time to switch gears. Mm-hmm. And switch from, okay, green juice at lunch to Maybe I'll have a, just a glass of wine while I'm cooking. Okay, mm-hmm. that's doing on TV. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm looking around. Really? That's what's happening. And, um, you know, it kind of takes the edge off a little bit, makes something a little bit laborious, maybe like cooking dinner again and again and again, seem a little bit more fun, kind of relaxing, take the edge off. And so I found myself in this detox to retox loop. Because mm-hmm. I'm detoxing by day and almost like retoxing at night by undoing a lot of my healthy, physically healthy choices by day. Mm-hmm. And mentally, emotionally, I'm starting to kind of check out. And I'm starting to get less present in my yeah. life. And that was the cycle that I lived in for, for years, actually. And very frustrated and confused in that cycle because I didn't mm-hmm. understand it. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's very relatable, even if alcohol isn't your thing. I think a lot of moms find a way to check out or kind of have like a ritual that says I'm clocking out as mom and clocking in as me. Um, so but it's it is interesting to think about like, okay, what are what are you using to do that? And so tell me more about where you kind of I mean, if that was your thing for so many years, what changed? Yeah. And for me, the, it was the mental tug of war. It was the duplicity in my life where I felt like I was one person by day, kind mm-hmm. of just a different person by night because I wasn't staying true to how I could handle stress during the day. But then I all of a sudden couldn't handle it at night. You know, what yeah. happened? So, so that mental tug of war was what was so exhausting for me. And what finally happened for me was gosh, I had to make it to my mid-40s caught in this trap. <laughs> I really do call it a trap because I kind of entered in this drinking world, like I said, in my young 30s. Took me a few years to kind of catch up to others, kind of catch on to, mm-hmm. how, to you know, how to drink like an adult, not like a college creepy okay. girl because I wasn't one. So I like didn't get that out of my system. I was like, woo, let's go dance. Let's go to another place. It's fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm also a 35-year-old mom at the time. So it kind of didn't match yeah. what I was dealing with um, real time. So by the time I was 45, I would say really made a concerted effort to try to control this habit. And uh, again, I could stop and start. I think that's it's really key to understand that in the drinking spectrum, there's this gray area where I could stop anytime I wanted and I could stop for a good length of time. Mm-hmm. Every time I stopped, I felt a little bit deprived, slightly miserable, and like mm-hmm. I was missing out. And I would celebrate, you know, like a 
30-day juice cleanse with having no alcohol and no whatever, all the no's mm-hmm. with a yes at the end. Mm-hmm. Celebrate not drinking with drinking. <laughs> and um, kind of instead of a yo-yo dieter, I was a yo-yo drinker. Yeah, that's so interesting. And I, I wanted to ask you, because we had a little bit of like um, a preliminary conversation about, you know, some of the things that we lean into. And for me, when I hear, because I'm married to um, my husband, identifies as a recovering pornography addict. And when I hear people say like, oh, we're all addicts, we all have our addictions. I'm kind of like, Oh, I don't believe that because I think that there's a very different person inside of my husband where he is the type of person where like one is never enough and 50 is maybe good enough. And like that, that applies to, um, a package of Oreos or, um, you know, when he used to spend hours binging pornography to feel better or also, um, you know, he's the kind of person where like, if he's had a surgery that like one pill feels good and maybe three or four is going to feel better. And for me, I'm like, if I've had a surgery, I've I've had five C-sections and I'm like, I can't dump this stuff down the drain fast enough. Like I hate that feeling. So I don't really think that that's like, um, we're all addicts that like, I don't really, that doesn't sit I don't want to say it doesn't sit well with me, but it doesn't. It just feel, doesn't resonate doesn't, with you. Does it, it doesn't resonate with me. But yeah. what do you think? Because you and I do have like different kind of perspectives on this. Yeah, great, great question, and and really honest because um, all I know for me is that I didn't grow up with um, a cautionary tale around alcohol. I went into my relationship with drinking somewhat naive. Because mm-hmm. growing up in a small West Texas town and having the kind of the rules, if you will, around drinking, you know, don't drink and drive, don't drink to get drunk, because that's, you know, that's a different way. Even as a Christian, yeah. I'm like, yeah. ooh, the sin word, you know, like, oh, that's that's not good. And then um, you know, don't drink to get drunk. Okay, got it. Like those were the rules around the alcohol I grew up with. Mm-hmm. So they match my experience when I was in my thirties, because now that those rules don't I mean, they still apply. I'm not trying to get drunk or dry. <laughs> I'm over 21 and it was so socially acceptable. So even someone like me who didn't grow up with, say, addiction in their family or a cautionary tale of like, oh, this can go sideways. Mm-hmm. Uh, the substance itself, just primarily talking about alcohol, but a lot of these things, um, it is a neuropathway that if you do that behavior and you get that dopamine hit, and you get that reward center fired up often enough, repeatedly with an emotional attachment to it, it is going to create a neuropathway that is very difficult to break. Mm. It can't be broken. And I've broken it. It sounds like your husband has broken it too, which is awesome. He sounds like a great guy to really be able to own part of his story. And it doesn't make him a bad person or a moral failure because right. these are addictions. And I think addiction is when you do the same thing over and over and over again, even after negative results, negative consequences. Yeah. And if I define addiction in that way, then I would say I was definitely addicted to alcohol from an emotional, mental standpoint. I really didn't have a drinking problem though, because I could stop drinking. I really had a thinking problem. 
Oh, that's so good. Yeah. I had and my a mindset husband, problem. Right. My <laughs> husband loves to say, like, you don't have a problem. The problem has you. I don't yeah. know if you've heard that before. Yeah. But he loves and that. Now that I don't drink anymore, I, I, I don't I don't see myself as an addict or addicted to alcohol because I'm no longer engaging in the substance that hijacked my mind and literally took over my brain. And I've rewired now after the amount of time I've spent practicing an alcohol-free lifestyle, I've literally rewired my brain so that it no longer desires alcohol. I'm back where I was before I started drinking because now I've trained my brain to go back to, I don't desire something that I don't see gives me any value. Yeah. So I've trained my brain to see alcohol as not something that is life-giving, not something that is self-care, not something that is valuable to me. And that is what broke my emotional, mental habit, routine, addiction to alcohol. Yes. I want to go back. Yes. I want to go back to what you just said. Like, it's not self-care. Let's talk about that because that's something that's uh, really important to me too. When I go through my code of free teachings with uh, people that enroll in my becoming code of free boot camps that like self-care isn't something that is like cotton candy and it feels good for a second and makes you feel gross after like that's not actually self-care <laughs> right yeah it's not a liability later right right yeah <laughs> self-care doesn't take from you doesn't trick you at the beginning like it like you said like cotton candy or like this is fun mm-hmm. and then come back with like a boom slam at the end where it's like yeah, yeah you thought that was fun watch this <laughs> it's like a wave you know knocking you down on the beach yeah like, it's fun and then boom or the no it wasn't you out. yeah yeah so it's kind of a, it's kind of how drinking felt to me. I was like, yeah, this is great. Okay, no, it's not. It's not yeah. because it's waking me up at 3 a.m. with a dry mouth or a headache or just a brain fog. And I'm like, oh, what yeah. a ripoff. I thought <laughs> I was doing myself a favor. Mm-hmm. And instead, I was literally making my my poor body, my sweet body, who's like giving to to kids and husband and people around me. I'm trying to 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 steward my body well. And yet... I'm taxing it and I'm this toxin in, but our culture in the marketing and the messaging around alcohol says that it is a treat. That it's it a is. good time. Yeah. You deserve it, girl. Yeah. Especially if you're a mama of five. Wow. <laughs> you deserve it. I mean, we've even got the Bitmoji girl with the wine, the big wine glass. I don't know if you know that, like animated, like yeah. on the keyboard. Like she's got a big wine glass in bubbles in a bathtub. Like, mm-hmm. like that's normal. And um, and I really bought into that hook, line, and sinker because I thought, wow, if if I've got anxiety, stress, or boredom, or loneliness, and then mm-hmm. I attach this tool to solving that problem, and it immediately works, then my brain is like, oh, this works. When really the after effect is it doesn't work. So I thought drinking with self-care when really yes i i love your definition of self-care it's not something that takes from you after the initial high or fun Mm -hmm. um it's something that's life-giving and it can be as simple as just like sitting down and having just a moment to yourself or making a cup of tea it doesn't have to be a day at the spa or this big event it should be a daily practice throughout the day I so agree. I so agree. So if someone's listening to this and they're like, 
oh, that's me. So now what? You know, how how do you help? You help so many people. You specifically love to gather women who are, you call sober curious. Talk to me about that. Yeah, sober curious. You know, for me in 2017, when I first looked at my relationship with alcohol outside of just the confines of my own mind, that's when I actually started like really looking around for who was talking about this. There weren't many, but there were a few and they were using words like sober curious. Alcohol-free lifestyle. Um, mm-hmm. Create a life you don't want to escape. I'm like, wow, this is good. I like this. Yeah. The term gray area drinking, that resonated with me too because I thought, well, I can stop, you know, and I'm not like pouring vodka in my cornflakes. Like I can like that, <laughs> you know, like yeah. there's got to be a middle ground here because there's so many things that have a spectrum and I've never heard anybody talk about alcohol on a spectrum. I'd always just heard all or nothing. You either are or you are. You're an alcoholic or you're not. I thought, well, I don't I don't think I'm physically addicted. So I don't know if that path is is the right one for me. But I know I don't have a healthy relationship with it. And so my goal in SoberSys is to open up the conversation to allow more people who are curious about their relationship with alcohol to explore it without labels, without shame, judgment, or even rules. I think with some uh, just programs, and again, I'm a fan of them all. I'm all for anything that helps anyone. So if you've got a program out there that's working for you, then keep on keeping on. But I think, you know, there because it's a spectrum and because our stories are so unique, I think having a variety of tools in your toolbox Mm -hmm. is a good thing. And so- I just want to open up the conversation. I think more people, if they know that they don't have to quit, that they can just be curious, mm-hmm. opens up the learning conversation. And yeah. then you're able to just kind of learn and practice versus saying, I'm never going to drink again when you're first starting. That may or may not even be the path. Yeah, I like that a lot. And what's really interesting about what you're saying with you know, being sober curious or women just kind of exploring an alcohol-free lifestyle. I have just observed that being a little bit more of a trend with younger people. I feel like I maybe, I don't know how you feel about this, but I live in Orange County, California, where there's a lot of drinking here. Um, And, you know, a lot of what you see on, if you've ever watched Real Housewives of Orange County is actually accurate about a lot of the people's lifestyles here. Um, However, I feel like, so I've lived here for about 10 years. And when we first moved here, I feel like we went to a nice restaurant and I said, oh, we don't drink or, or like, we don't need the wine list. I got an attitude like, okay, like go, what's wrong with you? you Like go to Chick-fil-A, why are you here? Yeah. Yeah. You're such a waste of my time. Now I feel like it's more of a trend where it's like, it's honored, it's respected. And I think it's because of almost like a health trend that people are taking of like, oh, wait, what is this doing to my body? And maybe I don't want to do this. Have you heard of Dr. Amen and how he, he's been very outspoken about saying, I think that in I don't remember how many years, but he's, I think he said like in 10 or 20 years or something, we're going to talk about alcohol the same way that we now talk about cigarettes. Yeah, And that to me is like, even coming from someone who 
has abstained from alcohol my entire life. That's shocking to me to hear because of the way the world is. But what have you seen since this is kind of your thing? Well, I've been I've been kind of in this world, this sober curious world and having this conversation for almost seven years now. Mm -hmm. And so I've really watched it grow and change. Mm -hmm. And like you said, um, just on social media, all the different so many more celebrities and people with huge platforms and, um, you know, Huberman Lab uh, podcast has gotten big. He's really gone after the just the truth about alcohol. I think it's just an awareness mm-hmm. education piece, which I think is also true with the smoking. I think that's why he compares the two, because I think for a while there was just lack of understanding the ramifications. Right and now, you know, oh, my gosh, I could I could go on and on with the stats around the fact that alcohol is now viewed as a carcinogen. It is now linked to multiple types of cancer. We know that um, someone, and I know this is kind of a Debbie Downer for someone out there who's like, oh my gosh, oh no, you're taking away my thing. I'm not taking anything away. It's just helpful to know that, you know, when you're having a glass of wine, a glass or more, what it's doing to your body is is days later um, and just, yeah, breast cancer, rates it's about 15 percent higher for people who drink for women who drink on a regular basis yeah and um and that's just not going to sell on the marketing (laughs) that's just not going to do it so that stuff is is suppressed but i think it's starting to come out now in a more holistic health way yeah versus a judging way or anything you know superior it's more like oh you can level up your health yeah like a positive movement yeah, and really empowering yeah. versus mm-hmm. like, oh, what happened to you? Why mm-hmm. aren't you drinking? You know, alcohol is the only, I don't know if you've seen this. It's a, it's a meme, but it's actually a bit of a truth. Alcohol is the only drug in our society that you almost feel at times that you have to justify not taking. Mm-hmm. And that is culturally society. That's that's just a, a thing we've got to look at together. But yeah. like you said, I do feel like people are becoming sober for the health of it, you know, yeah. and and because it it feels better. I talk about that in my book, Look Alive, Sis. You know, you can just feel better. You don't have to have had a rock bottom. Yeah. You um, don't have to necessarily, you know, identify as an alcoholic or an addict. And, yeah. and that's okay if those um terms help because I do think we are a product of our identity and the way we see ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think being open to anybody can can get on the drinking highway and exit off the drinking highway anytime for any reason. And I got on late and I got off early. Mm-hmm. Uh, relatively speaking with the women I work with, I wasn't on the drinking highway as long as many of the women I work with who were on the the drinking highway for decades. Yeah. I had about a 15 year run and that was enough mm. for me. I got it like out of my system. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. And it's cool that you are, I love your approach that it's like, this can be a positive thing. This isn't a shame based thing. This isn't like a, if you don't like, let's, let's pump fear into everyone. Like, you know, these are all the negative ramifications if you don't, because I feel like a lot of times that just to me, when I hear someone that says like, 
oh, you shouldn't be using a microwave. You know, that'll cause cancer. I'm kind of just like, well, I'm a mom. So get a, like, sorry, I'm just right. going to use it. But right. um, it's more you about know, what you're gaining than yeah. what you're losing. And I think people, you know, we're, we are motivated by pain, but we're also motivated by pleasure and good things. Yeah. So, yeah, I prefer to like, what am I gaining by not drinking on a Friday night? Well, I'm actually gaining my Saturday morning back. I play oh, my Friday yeah, night good. based on my Saturday mornings. Mm-hmm. They, they're like tied together. And I used to see them as very separate. Yeah. Like Friday night is date night. Don't touch mm-hmm. that. It's fun. <laughs> yeah. And then Saturday morning, I want to get up and, you know, go on a walk with a friend or meet for coffee. They're actually very attached to each other. And so mm-hmm. when you play the movie forward, which is one of my favorite tools that I teach about, is just how do you, how do you make a choice now that matches and aligns with how you want to feel later. Yeah. And we don't typically attach the two. Yeah, totally. So I want to talk to you about social situations because I feel like the closest that I can relate to this is when I've really been trying to be intentional about my diet and what I'm eating. So I'm not necessarily talking about like fad diets, but I'm just saying when I have had a baby and I'm like, okay, I want to fit into my old clothes and I want to eat macro balanced food and I can do it at home. But as soon as I'm trying to go out to eat or I'm traveling, it's really hard because literally every, I feel like almost every social situation is around food. And so I've heard people kind of, you know, explain that struggle in the same way with trying to not drink so or trying to drink less or whatever. So um, how do you help coach women who are looking at that and struggling in that social arena? Yeah, a great question. And you being a non-drinker, as am I now, I understand (laughs) what it's like to be a non-drinker in a very alcohol-centric world. Mm -hmm. And um, I I think one of the biggest things is to have confidence in your choices for you. Like this about anybody else. Yeah. Um, have a spouse who drinks. Most of my in real life friends drink. Um, and that's okay. I'm choosing something different because that's what I feel uh, is most aligning for me. So this isn't a sad thing. This isn't a bad thing. This is a good thing. This is a positive thing. So if I go in with that mindset of like, I am going to stay in my own lane, but I'm going to have to practice that at the beginning because especially if you've been a drinker like myself and many others who are probably listening, if you're wanting to switch it up and go from being a drinker to maybe exploring not drinking at a wedding when you always drink at weddings, Mm -hmm. it's a really big deal. So I think going in with an attitude, um, I'm just, I'm going to just learn. I'm going to practice and take it for what it is. I'm going to go in and if I don't just say it perfectly or feel totally confident. If I have more practice, I can get better at this. So just like you ride a bike, you know, when you're a kid, you'll just hop on and take off. Kind of like riding a bike when you're an adult and you've been drinking or you're in this environment where everybody else is. Yeah. Just practice that confidence. So what I do when I walk into a dinner party or a restaurant or I sit down with a bunch of girlfriends and the waiter comes over, what can I get you to drink? Can I get you something to drink? always look at him right dead smack in the eye. And I'm like, yes, I smile real big instead of like, no, you know, then it kind of puts the waiter as awkward. Yeah. Awkward. What do we do with her? Would she say <laughs> no when like, they're just trying to take your order or like the hostess yeah. at a party. They're just trying to get a drink in your hand. They don't really care what you're drinking. Nobody yeah. really cares what you're drinking. That's Perfect. what I 
really experience. Ultimately, nobody really cares what I'm drinking. So Mm -hmm. if I walk in confident and just kind of the morning of like, I'm just going to practice this. If it's wonky and I feel kind of weird, that's okay. Maybe I'll get better as I go. But I'm going to walk in and I'm going to say, yes. Can I get you something to drink? Yes. And then you tell the waiter or the hostess what you do want to drink. Instead of just going, no, I don't drink or no. Um, So I think going in with that mindset, a lot of times socially, two things, either BYOB, bring your own. There are so many, in fact, follow me on Instagram just for that alone. There are so many alcohol-free beverages out on the market today. Oh Mm -hmm. my gosh. I mean, it's just like, I'm overwhelmed, even in my own fridge, what to drink. But so- Um, and like you said at the beginning, you know, more more bars and more restaurants are having more options. So, you know, if you're going to a friend's house, just bring something. If they don't know what to serve, they're going to have probably water and alcohol. Uh, but if you bring something sparkly and fun and just say, hey, I just found this online. I wanted to try it. I just thought I'd bring it. Cool. They'll pop it open for you. They'll pour it. And then you can share it with others who may also be really deep down wishing that there were more options. Yes. Gosh, that's so true. That's so good, Jen. So I also wanted to ask you about something you brought up at the very beginning of the interview when you talked about wine o'clock and you talked about like winding down at the end of the day. So for me, I feel like when I've tried to quit some bad behaviors, the only thing that's really helped me long term is replacing those with something else. Like the if you've read The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg, I love that book. And So like for me, I love ice cream. And for so long, that was my like little (laughs) kryptonite or whatever you call it. Yeah. um, Yes. And so now I've really replaced that with using the Ninja Creamy and making myself protein ice cream. And it totally satisfies that craving. And it's something that's good for me and helps keep me on my like path to health goals or whatever. So, but what do you teach as far as if someone's like, but this is my thing and like, I don't want to do it, but I do. And it, right. You know, how do you teach people or coach people through that? And I so agree with you. Having a routine, having a ritual, you don't want to, you can't just take alcohol out and just mm-hmm. leave a void. Yeah. Something's going to fill that void and you want it to be intentional. You yeah. want it to be healthy. And you want it to be life-giving, not just another vice or another way to numb out or just something else that's my ass. Um, And it's okay to take a break. You know, hey, moms out there, you know, draw that bath. Uh, But you can can still relax and enjoy yourself and not lose your presence, not lose your presence of mind and your sober mind. Mm -hmm. So what has worked for me is just like I have a morning routine, you know, Miracle Morning. You've got your morning routine. It seems like we're better at the morning routine often than the night routine. The yeah. Evening. Because That's we're tired. True. So I just true. did a whole Instagram live literally before this interview, which I know is later, but on decision fatigue and yeah. how decision yeah. fatigue is very, very real. Kind of like willpower. Yeah. Out. It is, it is uh, finite. Yeah. It, it is going, going, gone. And so... That's why the good intentions in the detox portion of the detox to retox loop, they're so strong in the morning. But Mm. when it's time for wine o'clock or retox or how do you find the willpower then? Well, you can't. It's not there anymore. It's gone. It's been utilized to get the workout in or 
eat healthy or do whatever throughout the day. So at five o'clock, you've got to have a different mindset of willingness yeah. over willpower to show up differently. And that's where the pre-deciding and then pre-planning comes in critical. Because yeah. you can't just open your fridge and think, well, there used to be Pinot Grigio there. Now there's nothing. So I think definitely having alternatives in place ahead of time, anticipating the cravings. Mm -hmm. um, they're there and they're real and they don't last forever. That is a physiological thing. Um, that's why most people don't get out of the detox to retox loop when they're, once they're in it. Mm -hmm. It's about seven to 10 days to get alcohol and the effects of alcohol out of your system. Oh, so interesting. People, yeah. So if people are drinking just on the weekends. Mm -hmm. Literally, alcohol is creating an itch that alcohol is then scratching. It's, it's creating oh. the problem that it's also trying to solve. Because wow. if you drink just on like Thursday through Sunday, because it's the weekend, notice how I included Thursday, because, you know, when you're close enough, right? Yeah. And then Wednesday, well, hump day, come on, you know, and then it just wheels off because whenever we do that, we're never out of the cravings cycle. Mm -hmm. it, it really does. And that's why I do offer a 21 day reset challenge because giving yourself the break, the physical, literal break from alcohol long enough for your your body, you can't totally reset in 21 days. You can't, you can't change your life in 21 days, but you can change your habits. You can begin mm -hmm. the journey. And so yeah. I think, I think having that nighttime ritual and routine be just as sacred and guarded and protected as we tend to do our quiet times in the morning or our workout, mm -hmm. we need to do that at night too. And so I have a whole nighttime routine where I'm like, oh, now it's time. And I've got special drinks for just nighttime mm. that have adaptogens and nootropics and you know, all these medicinal benefits. Kind of like you said, you've got protein ice cream going on. Yes. Kudos to you on that. I've got it honestly, it tastes so good. If you haven't, oh my gosh. You will like, have to swap that recipe afterwards. So I'll, yeah, I'll so give you some of my favorite nighttime alcohol free beverages. Hey, uh, and you can tell me about your ice cream. Okay. But uh, yeah. So that's what I do at night. I've got a ritual and then I've got all kinds of. I've got my essential oils going. I've got all these things that kind of create that self-care cocoon. Yeah. Of, like I have been giving all day or, or talking a lot. So I really like to be quiet in the evenings. And yeah, so it's a, it's a thing, but it takes intentionality and mindfulness and pre-deciding and pre-planning. Yes. Yes. That's so true. And I love those, those tips and just that mindset like you're talking about is so powerful. Um, tell me about codependency as it relates to this, because you mentioned just briefly that your husband drinks um, and you have friends that drink and that you choose to not. So um, sorry, I'm always trying to think of like the way that you like to identify. Oh, that. yeah. No, you're good. Um, yeah. Yeah. So tell me about that, like how you coach people or even how you pull that off yourself when it might feel like well, we're all having fun or this is always how we've done it or this is what we do. You know, yeah. how do people make a change when it feels like oh, I'm breaking tradition or this is kind of like this is what I think. Oh, totally. 100% was my experience because um, really my husband and I met in college. We met mm -hmm. on a blind date. We were set yeah. up um, as college students, got married in our 20s. 
started cranking out kiddos in our 20s and um, we're building a family, we're building a life, we're building a business and alcohol was not invited, not a part of our marriage, not a part of our relationship at all. Either one of us, we met as non-drinkers. Okay. So in our 30s, um, when drinking just kind of entered our picture at the same time, I was doing a home-based business and at happy hours, that's kind of how it came into my world. I was at home by day with the young kiddos mm-hmm. and then out at these really stressful uh, evening meetings. I know a lot of your listeners are probably working moms that are or trying to juggle it all. And I was doing yeah. a happy hour thing. And um, I always just got sweet tea or Dr. Pepper. You know, I'm a Texas girl. So I was just always drinking like a soft drink in my 30s, in my young 30s. And, um, and so that's how it entered in for me was the whole networking happy hour I'm out and about with adults. And that's right about the time that IPAs around, you know, all the guys after they ride their bikes or grilling, you know, it just became more of a thing. So it definitely dovetailed into he and I starting to drink more the same, more mm-hmm. similar in our 30s. Um, storms rolling in. Seems like a good reason to pop a bottle of wine on the front porch. Let's do it. <laughs> so um, it was definitely our thing. And there were many times for me that I was feeling uh, just a a lot of cognitive dissonance inside that I don't think he was feeling, to be honest. Uh, I don't think he feels it even now, mm-hmm. even even after me doing and being sober sis for all these years. And I, I kind of like to say that because it doesn't make me immune to a spouse who's making a different choice or having to break apart that overlapping of like, well, I'm just going to keep on because you're doing it. And like, I thought I would, you know, like if you would quit, then I would quit. Well, my guy's not quit, at least not anytime soon. And if he does, it'll be awesome. And it'll be a miracle. Mm -hmm. Not because he has, again, not because you have to have a huge problem to quit, but because it's not serving his health goals. I mean, he's got a patch on his arm right now monitoring his blood sugar levels and he can see what alcohol is doing but it's still his choice to maybe not do something else and do that instead that's you know again that's his choice and I had to really learn how to stay in my own lane and do it for me and not be swayed bothered or judgmental of another person side by side who is making a different choice and we were so enmeshed Mm-hmm. And so codependent and just meshed into like, well, I wasn't going to drink, but because you're drinking or because I don't want to be left out or because maybe you think I'm more fun. I mean, my husband has even said, and I, I quote him right now, drinking just makes things 20% more fun. Oh, okay. Well, I'm not drinking anymore. Am I 20% less fun? I mean, what am <laughs> I do with that? Uh, yeah. And so that's, again, that's the message, that's the culture we live in. And I don't, I don't know, he might really believe that's true, but I had to, again, bust out and, and make a path that was true to myself. And it was very clear what God was telling me to do, mind, body, and spirit to be in alignment with him, wholehearted drinking just did not fit in. I was kind of trying to serve two masters and couldn't end up really serving either one because Um, I was chasing two rabbits and I couldn't catch them, you know? And, um, and so for me, that was, that was really big to kind of, I read, uh, Brene Brown's book, Braving the Wilderness. I love her. She's so good. Huge fan as well. 
Um, and so I read her book, Braving the Wilderness, after reading all of her other books. And that book talked about belonging to yourself. Yeah. And okay. that really, you don't have to belong outside. It's, as long as you belong to yourself, you belong everywhere. Yes. And that really met me where I was because I thought, do I belong still in my friendship groups? What about my marriage where this has become kind of an activity, like a way we kind of unwind together? Mm -hmm. Can we still connect? I actually learned that alcohol was disconnecting for us. It was just taking our presence away further and further from each other because we were losing presence with ourselves as our mind was altered. And just, I mean, let's face it, alcohol is, it's an anesthetic. It, it anesthetizes your mind. That's why it feels good when you're stressed or anxious or bored or lonely or angry or any of the things. It's yeah. because it literally dulls and suppresses the reality of those negative emotions or enhance them. We think it'll enhance positive ones, but what it does is it dulls everything. There's, you know, like Brene says, you can't keep joy and numb sadness. You numb it all. That's so good. You numb everything. And yeah. so I was, yeah, numbing some of my anxiety, sadness, but I was also numbing my joy and my ability to connect authentically. So yes. now being sober-minded, sometimes, and, and this is what I've done with my husband who does still drink. If we're on, uh, you know, like an anniversary trip or like an intimate dinner, I will ask for what I need, not demand and yeah. not expect, but I will ask for what I need. And that's him. I need him. I need all of him. Um, I need all of his presence, his sober mind, because I want to be on the same like frequency was. Yeah. And so, um, when I just say, hey, babe, would you consider not drinking tonight for me? Not, not for you, because I'm not, not trying to change you, but would you consider doing that for me so that we can connect in the same way? He's like, sure, no problem, because he yeah. does connect with me. Um, but if I start going around trying to change him or say, would you do this for you because I think you need to and this is you, you, then I'm meshing again my choices with his choices. And then I just need to stay in my own lane and, and yeah. go back. To why am I doing this? Yep. I'm doing it for me and because yes. I feel called to do this myself. Yes. So good. Okay, Jen, one last question for you. If there's one message that you want, the person listening to this to remember, what do you want that one message to be? Good question. I love your questions. They're good. You know, I think I would want someone out there to take away. Um, you know, we prepare so much for when we think we're giving something up, how hard it's going to be, how awful it's going to be, what life is yeah. going to be like without. And I just want to encourage your listener to think, what would life be like? What if it was actually easier than you thought if you had the right guide and the right support? What if it actually opened doors for you that you could never have opened otherwise? What if it was actually better on the other side of alcohol? And instead of playing small and feeling trapped and stuck, you could take, take a risk that maybe it's actually better than you think. And that's been my experience. Beautiful. Oh, I love that so much. Well, Jen, where can people find you? Where can they work with you if they're interested and, and you know, take this journey of exploring becoming sober or being a sober sis? Yeah, yeah. Awesome. 
Um, well, definitely on Instagram. I know Corinne's on there too, and that's where we see each other a lot. Um, I'm at SoberSys, one word, SoberSys on Instagram. And if you go to SoberSys.com, I've got all kinds of free resources there. I've got a free guide that you can literally download for one o'clock tonight. If you're like, oh gosh, Jen, I'm listening to you. And I'm like, whoa, it's almost five o'clock now. Like, I don't want to drink tonight. I really don't, but I don't know what else to do. Download the free guide, ladies, and start there. And um, and then at the beginning of every month, I do offer a 21-day reset challenge. And that is for anyone who's sober curious, who maybe just wants to take a break, or maybe you're already living an alcohol-free lifestyle and you're looking for more like-minded women in community. That's a great on-ramp. And so, um, yep, SoberSys.com should have it all. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jen, for all the wisdom you shared today. I learned so much and feel very enlightened and inspired. Good. Well, you too. I I, I learned a lot too. Protein ice cream. I'm going to check it out. <laughs> I love it. Thanks so much for listening to Mint Arrow Messages. We're so grateful that you spent time with us today. Make sure you go follow us at Corinne Stoko or at Mint Arrow Messages on Instagram. And then if you have a second and you love the show, I would love it so much if you'd leave a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. That's the only way people can find out about this if they haven't heard about us before. So just go tap the stars, leave a rating or a review. If you have a second, we would appreciate it so much.